there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. When esoteric wisdom finds us, when it finds us receptive, see, esoteric wisdom flows over people like air all the, that goes in and out of people all the time. Esoteric wisdom can't do anything unless something inside of you germinates, unless something inside of you receives it. When esoteric wisdom finds us receptive, we are under the illusion that we are one, that we're conscious, and that we're able to exercise will that we're able to do. That's how this work finds us. That's how any esoteric teaching finds a student, a potential receptacle, a potential seed that can be germinated, that it has the potential for growth. When it finds us, we are in the state of illusion that we're one conscious entity that can exercise will in order to do what needs to be done. And that's the state. When I say finds us receptive, what that means is we all know that we're one conscious entity able to do and exercise will. We all realize that about ourselves. Everyone realizes that all the time. All of life is filled with people who realize that they are one, that they're conscious, that they can exercise will so that they can do whatever it is that is before them to do, whatever it is that is feasible, reasonable, possible for a human being to do, they can do. If they want to enough, that's the qualifier, if they want to enough. If they don't want to, then of course they don't do it. But if they want to, they can do it. They can do anything. So that's the state that it finds us in. After that, when the wisdom of esotericism begins to enter our interior, it throws us into this horrible state of doubt that Maurice Nicole said of this state. When Jess started going through his thing, I thought this because I knew this was coming up because I'd just written this quote down the other day. Once a man begins to see straightly what he is like, he is silent about himself. The danger then is that he may kill himself unless he has shown that this is a necessary and definite stage in his inner development. It was tough for me to hold back the smile while Jess was cringing and crying and going through his agony and his hell over there because I knew what was coming. What was coming was, yes, it's true. When you start to see your condition... The danger is that you will kill yourself. If it really is. Now, there are people who don't believe that. They don't believe that. And I can tell you why. Because they don't see themselves. That is the only reason they don't believe it. They have never really seen themselves. When you really see yourself, you really do put yourself at risk of killing yourself. How do you mean that? Do you mean that literally? Yes, I mean that literally. Well, do you mean it figuratively? Yes, I mean that figuratively. Well, do you mean that mentally? Yes, I mean that mentally. Do you mean that emotionally? Yes, I mean that emotionally. Do you mean it psychologically? Yes, I mean it psychologically. Do you mean it spiritually? Yes, I mean it spiritually. I mean it in all those ways. You take it at whatever level you can understand it. But understand also that just because you can't understand it beyond a certain point does not mean it's not true beyond that point. It only means that you have run out of light. If you take a flashlight and you take it outside at night, let's say you go out into the desert and there are no city lights, 
and there's no moonlight above to speak of. You take the flashlight and you shine it up into the darkness. How far will it go? Well, it will only go so far, won't it? Depending on the candle power of the light. We know that searchlights will go a lot further than little pen light, little 1AAA battery pen light won't go very far. We know that it won't illuminate much. Understanding is like that. We shine it into the infinite. We shine our limited to candle power understanding into the infinite. And we think that because we see something, we can see almost see the nose on our face. You know, we can almost see the hand in front of us. We think we understand something. And we do understand something. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Compared to what we don't understand, it's not worth talking about. What it is worth doing something about is increasing our candle power. And that's what this work is about. This work is all about increasing your candle power, the candle power of your light, so that you can get beyond one or two or 10 or 20 or 100,000 candle power. And that's what increasing consciousness is about. It's about increasing your candle power so that your light shines on more so that you can understand more. And the more you understand, the more you will include in your being. And the more you include in your being, the more you change your level of being the more you expand your level of being. So you actually can begin to expand to the limits of your light. And how we are right now is we are expanded to the limits of our light. So you see some people who are very contracted. Those people are expanded to the limit of their light. That doesn't mean they don't have potential light. They may have light in reserve. They may have the batteries, but their, their lamp is just not big enough to handle the power that is in the batteries. And so they need to work on their knowledge to increase their lamp size. Or maybe somebody has a big lamp size, but they're just all out of juice. Then they need to work on another side of themselves, on their being side of themselves, so that they can power their lamp. Maybe they've got the knowledge. They've got this big lamp that can handle lots. of. if it's got the power, it could shoot a light out a long way. They could see a lot. But they've squandered all of their power in negative emotions. They just love negative emotions. There's just this leak, this short in their wiring that just a negative emotion comes along and pew, all their energy goes right out. They can't do anything about it. They need to fix that short. So after that esoteric wisdom enters our interior, we end up in this horrible state where we, where we want to kill ourselves in one way or another. It may be just depression. It may be just feeling despondent and down. It may be just down on yourself. It may be just, God, I can't do anything right. Oh, God, I'll never make it. It may be just that. But do you see where that leads? Do you see that if that is not corrected, it will lead to what Nicole says? Once a man begins to see straightly what he is like, he is silent about himself. We just begin to shut up. We don't talk about ourselves so much. Because all of the things that we have to say about ourselves are lies. And we begin to see that. And then we just hush about that. It doesn't happen all at once, but sometimes it does. Mostly it happens slowly over time. The danger then is that he may kill himself unless he's shown that this is a necessary and definite stage in his inner development. And so my thing with Jess is like, look, yes, you're, you're in no different state than the rest of us. Those of us who believe that we are something that we're not are at our wit's end. And it's only when we are shown that this is a necessary and definite stage of our inner development that we begin to have some vision and hope. Because that light, being shown that, is what gives us the vision and hope. It's turning that light on, and then we can see, oh, this is how it is. It's okay. I can navigate through this. You see, in the dark, it's difficult to navigate. It's like driving 100 miles an hour down a dark country road with your headlights off. 
in the middle of the night. It's not a very smart thing to do. If you do that for very long, I don't care how well you know the road, you're going to hit trouble sooner or later. But if you turn your headlights on and slow down so that you're not outrunning your headlights, there's only so much we can react to. And it's, you know, it's like at 100 miles an hour, if you sneeze, the distance that you traveled is about the distance of a cemetery. So think about it. Now, not many people make it beyond this stage, the stage where they, they feel like they want to kill themselves. They feel so depressed. Not many people make it beyond that stage. This does not mean that they kill themselves. What this means is that they turn back or they enter the mist of imagination where they pass the remainder of their lives. You come to this point, this horrible hell, and you either turn back or you enter into the mist of imagination and you spend the rest of your life wandering around in hell while you're imagining that you're not in hell. You see, the truth about you is you were in hell long before you realized you were. It was only when you started to come out of hell that you realized you were in hell. It was only when your eyes began to be opened up in hell that you realized that you were on your way out. Because as soon as your eyes begin to open to where you are, you're already on your way out. But some people panic and they close their eyes and then they sink back down. Eyes open, rise. Eyes closed, sink. Eyes open, rise. Eyes closed, sink. Let light in, rise. Keep light out, sink. It's just that simple. It's not all this struggling, thrashing that people do. It's not about that. It's about light. It's about eyes open or eyes closed. It's about allowing it in or holding it back. How do we hold it back? Self-justification. How do we hold it back? Enjoying negative emotions. How do we hold it back? Identifying with negative things. Identifying with this. Identifying with what we are not. Identifying with what's not real. That's how we hold the light back. And as you can see, we're experts at light management. (laughs) We We can manage the light right out of our lives. We can manage the light right out of our consciousness. We can manage ourselves into dimness, into darkness, into stupor, into imagination, the mist of imagination. What happens is when people come to this place, their self-love, their self-liking, their self-approval keeps them active and satisfied. As long as people are active, they're generally satisfied because they think they're working on something. If you want to stop people, let me tell you one of the best ways in the work to stop people from development. Give them exercises to do. Now, this is very difficult for people to understand because most people think that the work is all about exercises. But it's not. It's not about exercises. You can do exercises. It's like playing a violin or a guitar. You can do exercises all day long. And if you're doing the exercises wrongly, all you're doing is exercising bad habits. You're making it more difficult for yourself for when you actually learn how to do it right. One of the things that I learned in studying classic guitar was that I wanted, I was in a rush. I wanted to learn this. I wanted to learn this song. My teacher would say, you're not ready for this song yet. But I didn't believe him. For whatever reason, I thought I was ready. This is how we are. You can't see yourself in this. You're not looking. You're being too narrow about it. You're saying, well, I've never studied classic guitar. Well, you dummy, you have studied something in your life. I mean, something. You've done something in your life. You didn't get here like an egg, you know, just smooth like an egg. You've got a ripple, a wrinkle, a dent somewhere in there. You've got a crack somewhere. You know, something has touched you in life. You have wanted something. You have gone after something. And when you did, you went after more than you could have, more than you could do. It's like being hungry or thirsty and going and sitting down at a table and eating too much. Anybody ever done that? Oh, good. It's nice to know I'm not the only one. This is how we are. It's human nature. It's the way we are. We bite off more than we can chew, and then we can't really enjoy what we have in our mouth, and then we have to spit some of it out, or we burn our mouth. It's like, you ever watch people eat pizza? I can't tell you how many people I've watched. 
They bite into a piece of pizza. The cheese sticks to the roof of their mouth. The skin on the roof of their mouth begins to bubble. They, ah, ooh, ah, they blow. They chew with their mouth open. Doing that. Have you ever done that? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to make sure I was on planet Earth. Every once in a while, I've got to check in, see, if I'm on planet Earth or if I'm on, still on the planet of the liars. Oh, wait, that's the same planet, isn't it? Oh, silly me. So we practice something that we're not ready for. And because we're not ready for it, because we don't have the muscles for it, because we don't have the skill for it, because we, haven't, we don't have the dexterity for it, what we find is that we can't do it well. For example, when you play classic guitar, there are certain stretches that your fingers have to be able to do to play certain pieces. Unfortunately, if you take your finger and just stretch it to that point, what you'll do is either break your finger or tear a tendon or damage a muscle. It's just the way it is. But if over time... You follow a course of study that slowly stretches and warms up and, you know, so maybe over a couple of months, then your finger will reach that place where it wouldn't before. If you've ever taught anybody just a couple chords on the guitar, you take somebody and the first thing happens is they want to play, play, play all the time, but their fingers, fingertips stop them. They get really sore. The more you play, the more sore they get until you build up calluses. And then it doesn't bother you so much. You can play for maybe hours and not have it bother you before it actually starts to bother you. But when you begin, you play for just a couple of minutes and it hurts. A lot of that is two things. There's two things. One is because in the beginning, we press too hard. A master only presses the amount that he needs to press. He never wastes energy. He just uses the exact pressure that he needs to keep the string from buzzing. But he never presses harder. He saves his energy and he saves his fingers. And that is what this work is like. You have to take it slow, and you have to take it in order. And that's not the way people want to do it. They're ready for more right now. They heard about the work. They already understand it. They're ready for more. I need more. Give me more. i got to have more. And so they, go, so they start playing musical groups. It always happens in the beginning, musical groups. Later, musical groups stops. People realize that what needs to change is them, not the group. And when that happens, the seed of the work has germinated in you. And you begin to realize that you are the problem. Not the group, not the teacher, not the work, not the ideas, but you are the problem. When that happens, this study begins. Until then, we're just walking around it, deciding whether or not we actually want to enter the building. <laughs> and that can happen for years. There's some people who go, they walk around this building for a couple years. And then they go walk around that building for a couple years. Then they go walk around that building for a couple years. But they never go in any of them. Unfortunately, more often than not, that is what happens with all esoteric teachings. So what happens is their self-liking, their self-approval keep them active. So they think they're doing something. They're doing exercises. They think they're doing something. And that keeps them satisfied. They're satisfied in their external side. When you're satisfied in your external side, it renders your internal side passive. If all your activity is in your external side doing exercises, then your internal side is passive. The purpose of exercises is to touch your internal side. It's not to do exercises in your external side. Oh, but we have all the dance moves and we do it exactly like Gurdjieff did. Congratulations. That will get you nowhere until it touches your internal side. It's pointless. You may as well go line dancing or go two-step dancing or go ballroom dancing. It doesn't matter. It's just external activity. It has to go deeper. In esoteric teachings, the remedy for this is so severe, it's difficult to get past the shock of the literal to the deeper internal meaning. Let me give you an example of esoteric teachings that has a literal meaning that people find so shocking that they can never really get beyond it. I'm going to read from um, Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 and 30. It says, And if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. 
For it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than your whole body be thrown to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body to go into hell. Do you know that through the ages, there have been fanatics that have literally torn their own eyes out and cut off their own hands and cut off their own foot. Fanatics have done this in almost every religion there is, forever. Think for a moment about the Spanish Inquisition. They were tearing out eyes and cutting off hands, but they were doing it to other people, not to their own, not their own. But even the inquisitors practiced self-flagellation until they bled profusely. You can read about the prophets of Baal who cut themselves with knives until the blood flowed. And they would pray and scream and dance and run around and throw themselves on the ground and slash themselves with knives and bleed and bleed and bleed, praying for Baal to answer them. I think you can read that about that in Isaiah. Or maybe it's Elijah. It's one of those guys. It's one of those guys. I don't know who it is. Probably you Bible scholars will know. You're a Bible scholar, right? You probably know. Yeah, he knows. These Bible scholars know, but I'm going to remain ignorant for a while. Yeah, I'd be ignorant of that outer thing, but there's an inner thing that, I, that I'm talking about, and that's more important to me. See, there are people who can quote this to you, who can probably quote this whole chapter to you. I can't. Actually, I don't really do that well reading it, I noticed. <laughs> and if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you that one of the parts of your body perish than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I read that right. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. There are some people who, it's all about reading it right. It's all about sitting in the right position. It's all about holding their head right. It's all about facing in the right direction. It's all about how they hold it. It's all about where their diaphragm is. It's all about how they project. That's great. That's wonderful. I would rather understand what it means at a deeper level than have all those outer things right. Jess was telling me one time he talked to somebody about meditation. They said, well, you have to sit in the exact right position. It's very important how you sit. If you don't sit in the right position, and you know, and it's like, you know what? What I have found after 40 years is none of that, none of that is nearly as important as the right internal position, as the right attitude of heart. It's so much more important than the exterior, so much more important. But when people are stuck in the external, they're crossing their eyes and they're uh, they're crossing their T's and they're dotting their I's. See, I can't even get that right. But if you listen underneath all of my mistakes, somebody wrote to me and said, well, that talk was really great. You could see all of, the, all of your different eyes popping up. And it's like, yeah. And I just thought that was so funny. I thought, yeah, I'm glad you noticed that. Did you get what I was talking about? <laughs> no, you know, no. But I sure, I sure noticed that you weren't doing it right. I sure noticed that you are not one. Have I ever said I was one? No. I'll be the first to admit, I'm not conscious I'm not a master. I'm not a guru. I'm no saint. I am a guy who is trying to do this work, and I've been trying to do this for 40 years. Maybe I have caught a couple of things. Maybe I haven't, but that's really not important. What's important is what are you going to do about it? That's what's important. If you want to focus on me, enjoy yourself, but just remember that all the time you're focused on me, you're not focused on what you need to be focused on, which is you. So history is littered with stories of fanatics who, taking this literally, maim themselves and others. The little mechanical eyes always miss the inner spiritual psychological meaning of esoteric teachings. They're not big enough to hold the necessary understanding any more than a thimble can hold a cup of liquid. See, we, we don't have any problem with that. You want more than a cup of water, you need a bigger container. We don't have a problem with that. We don't try and jam the water, vacuum press the water into the cup to get more than a cup of liquid in it, do we? No. People don't keep pouring and pouring and pouring in the cup, hoping they'll get more into it because it just flows out. What they do eventually is they go and get a bigger container if they want more. It's just that simple. 
But that's not the way we are when it comes to light. We're trying to jam esoteric teachings into our system, into our little thimble system, into our little mind, into our little attitudes, into our acquired self. And it will not hold it. It'll just all flow out. And as it flows out, it feels so good. It's like taking a shower. It feels so good that we just go to sleep. And we think, oh, look how enlightened I am. You know, there's some people who will stand in the shower till the, till the hot water tank it runs dry. They'll just stand there because it feels good. Other people, they just take care of business. They get out, they get dry, and then they go live their lives. This is what happens to us. We get stuck in the external where it feels good, and we forget all about what we're supposed to be doing. Let's begin with the meaning of the I in the language of parables. There are a couple of places that it's mentioned. In, so let's, let's just flip the page and go to, to Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. It says there, if I can read it correctly, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. So the lamp of the, the body is the eye. So now we're talking about if your right eye offends you, tear it out and throw it away from you. Well, if the lamp of the body is the eye, what does that mean? He says, but if your eye is bad... Your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Clearly, he's not talking about your physical eye because it's not your physical eye that fills you with light or darkness. Your physical eye may bring you light. It may bring you darkness. It may bring you images, but it does not fill you with that. To fill yourself with light or darkness, you must be filled with understanding or not filled with understanding. Light is understanding. The eye is the, the mind's eye. So let me put it to you this way. It isn't the eye of the body, literally, but the eye of the mind, how we understand things mentally. See what I mean? See what I mean? Well, do you see what I mean with your eyes? No. You see what I mean with your mind, with your understanding, with your inner eye. That is the eye that it's talking about. Let's begin now and take another look at this. Understanding is the light by which we see internally, spiritually, psychologically. The better the understanding, the brighter the light, just as I said with the flashlight example. And the brighter the light, then the more we see. Well, the more what we see? Well, you know, just the more stuff. No. The more meaning we see. It's all about meaning. Do you know what I mean? Do you see what I mean? Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Mostly, you think you do, which I have verified beyond the shadow of any reasonable doubt, would stand up in any court of law that, that finds reasonable doubt tossed out. You don't see what I mean. You think you see what I mean, but you don't really see what I mean. I read something and I say, oh, I see what that means, but I only see part of what it means. I don't see the rest of what it means. What we need to be aware of when we see what something means is that we're only seeing partial meaning. Do you see what it means? No. I see some of what it means, but I don't see all of what it means. How can you say that? Because I know there's so much more that I don't know. How do you know that? Because I know my nothingness. Well, how do you know that? Because I've seen it. How can you see nothingness? It's easy. You just have to see the truth about yourself. You just have to see straightly what you are like. When you see straightly what you are like, you begin to realize your nothingness. It can be terribly frustrating, as we saw with Jess. But when you begin to see beyond that terribly frustrating part to the part where there's nothing you can do about it anyway, then you just go, oh, okay, well, I'm nothing, and there's nothing I can do about it. Then, of course, you have some peace. But you don't have any peace until you get to that point. A dim, undeveloped understanding keeps the mind in darkness, where negativity breeds and flourishes as normal. People live normal lives. Negative. 
Do you know that the majority of people on this planet live a negative life? Okay, let's just take as an example the financial situation today in the world. Why is it that people are crazy? Why is it that all they have to hear is a rumor and they panic and the stock market drops? It's like lower than it's been for a long, long time now. Why is that? It's because people keep getting bad news. What is bad news? Well, the truth is, it's no news at all. There's not one person that hears that news that knows what it means or that knows anything about it. All they know is that somebody said it's really bad. And they freak out and they take all their eggs and they pull them out. Well, they put 12 eggs in. So they put a dozen eggs in the basket. But then they heard some bad news. And everybody started grabbing eggs and pulling them out of the basket. And then when they got to the basket, there were only two eggs left. So they grabbed their two eggs and they put them in their pocket, sat in a corner with their two eggs. And that's really kind of what this whole stock market thing is about. It's just about fear and people operating on rumors and insanity. Instead of just leaving the eggs alone, let the eggs do whatever the eggs are going to do. They're going to hatch, they're going to hatch, and so you end up with chickens. Well, I don't want chickens. <laughs> well, okay, maybe there'll be ducks. Don't worry about it. Maybe you'll get geese. I don't know, but don't worry about it. You know, the thing is, is that it's more important to stay out of fear than it is to stay out of the poorhouse. But people don't understand that because they think it's more important to stay out of the poorhouse than it is to stay out of fear. But that's because people live in their external side, not their internal side. If you keep your internal side right, your external side will take care of itself. But as I said, people don't understand that because they don't have the light. So they live in negativity, in darkness. What's all this about right and left? How come it's your right eye that causes you to stumble? How come it's your right hand that causes all the problem? How come it's your right foot that causes all the problem? Why is it the right the right side's the right side. Why is that the side that causes all the problems? What do you suppose most people are in the world, right or left-handed? Right. Yes, they're right-handed. So why do you suppose he says right-handed? Well, because most people are right-handed. Most people are right-eyed. Most people, their right side is their dominant side. Well, some people are born right-handed and some people are born left-handed. Yes, that's true. But still, people can be changed. You can acquire the use of your other hand, the use of the other side of your body. You can make that dominant. I know because people have done that throughout history. Because being left-handed was bad and wrong, they made everyone right-handed. And they used to go to great lengths to do that back in the dark ages when we didn't know any better. What is all this about the right and left? How come it's not the left eye and the left hand? Of what are we more aware, the inner or the outer man? Yeah, there's just a smirk. That's a good answer, a smirk. Yep, the outer. We're right-handed. So then the right is the outer. So the right side is the outside. The left side is the inside. Then outer is used more, while inner is passive, neglected. Esoteric truth shows we are not one, but two, inner and outer, left and right. We begin as one, we understand better, and move to two. Jess is now two. He wouldn't be agonizing over the fact that he's proud, and he's stuck in it, and he can't get rid of it, if he didn't see that he is not the pride. If he didn't see that, he wouldn't be agonizing over it controlling him. But he sees that he is separate from that, that he is something else. This very small thing that does have, doesn't have power over the pride that is very large and very powerful and very aggressive and very smart and very quick. That no matter how much his little understanding wants to be free from the big monster of pride, pride keeps grabbing him by the throat and making him do what it wants him to do. The little eyes, the little work eyes when they're saying, no, no. But see, those little work eyes aren't yet close enough to his real self. When they get close enough to his real self, they'll begin to let go. They'll begin to not fight the pride so much. Any more than the light fights the darkness. <laughs> you don't turn your flashlight on in here, boom, like a sonic boom. When the light 
at the speed of light travels into the darkness and makes a, a light boom. There is no light boom. You know, there's no crack when the light booms like there is when you break the sound barrier. It's like the light just dissipates the darkness. It just ceases to exist because in the light it can't exist. And that's what happens with pride. In the light of who you are, pride will vanish. The right eye makes you stumble. Tear it out. Throw it away from you. The right hand makes you stumble. Cut it off. Throw it away from you. The outer man stumbles the inner man by constantly usurping his force. What is stumbling? What was stumbling Jess? Was it the outer man or the inner man? It's the outer man. The outer man is the one that's whining about the pride. It's not the inner man. See, all it is is it's just another side of the outer man. It's the outer man playing inner man. That's what happens in this work in the beginning. The outer man begins to pretend to be the inner man. And this is where so many people go astray. They think, oh, yes, I'm do- I've got it now. <laughs> I haven't got anything. This isn't about getting it. This is about losing it. This isn't about getting it. It's about getting rid of it. It's not about adding more to the outer. It's about diminishing the outer. And it's not about adding more to the inner. It's about allowing the inner to become active while the outer becomes passive. That allowing is a term that it sounds easy, but it's not. It's not easy. There's real effort involved in that. The two must become one, but cannot as long as the outer leads the inner. Where we find ourselves, where this work finds us, where the work, the esoteric wisdom finds us, is with the outer leading the inner. And it uses that. It understands that the only way that it can get to the inner man is through the outer man because the outer man has the walls up. And the inner man cannot be touched unless it's through the outer man. So it has to find some eyes in the outer man that are receptive to aiding the inner man. And there are eyes that are receptive in some people. They call that magnetic center. And if that happens, great. Then this work has an inroad. Will it make it? Maybe. Depends. Acquired views, the right eye of the outer man, stumbles us, stunts the growing understanding of the inner man. The external man's actions, the right hand, do the same thing. We can only grow from our own understanding. That's why this work is about self-development. We can't grow from our acquired views. What you acquired is not your own. You must find from within yourself what the truth is. You must find your internal teacher. You must find your own higher emotional and higher intellectual centers. And you must begin to access what is there from real eye. That's how this happens. That's what self-development is. Having only an outer side developed toward life makes us one-sided, makes us half a man with one hand, one foot, one eye. An outside with no inside. When you go into the world and you see dead people, you see hollow people, you see one-sided people, you see people who only have an outside but have no inside. They have no internal life. Their internal life is directly connected to their external life and it's just a furthering, a hidden furthering of their external life. Their internal world is full of external ambitions, what they're going to get next, what they're going to do next, what they're going to eat next, da, 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 all that stuff. That's not the same thing. That's not what this work is about. Tearing out the acquired views and cutting off the acquired actions is only a radical idea until you realize what it takes to get free from the outer man. When you start to understand what it takes to get free from your acquired self, then you see that tearing things out and cutting things off is not only not radical, it's just the necessary thing that needs to be done. You cannot wait for your acquired views to go away. You have got to actively get rid of them. You cannot wait for your acquired actions to simply diminish. You have got to actively go and take charge of the situation. You have got to stop expressing negative emotions. You have got to stop believing in your attitudes and your acquired mind 
and emotions. You've got to stop believing in it. You've got to stop believing it's right. And that takes action on your part. To us, they're not acquired. That's the problem. To us, they're ours. To us, these thoughts are not acquired thoughts. They're our thoughts. These feelings are not acquired feelings. They're our feelings. These attitudes are not acquired attitudes. They're our attitudes. This is why it's so difficult to get rid of them. The only way we can see things or do things is the way that we see things and we do things because they're the right way. If it wasn't the right way, we'd change it. But that's not true. That's what we tell ourselves, but it's not true. If you do something that's not right, you don't change it. You justify it. From one to two to one isn't about getting rid of the outer, it's but helping it to take its rightful place as the servant of the inner. It's not about making another enemy. It's not about more alienation. The acquired side of you always alienates. The internal side of you embraces. It's not about aversion and hatred. It's about love and acceptance. You have got to learn to love and accept this insane outer side so that you can direct it to its rightful place as a servant of the inner. One-to-one means joining them together so that we liberate ourselves from living a life of half-meanings. External man through external mind leaves the door open to the ambitions, the cares, and the worries of life. People who are outwardly directed toward life, people who are turned toward life, who have one side toward life and no inner side, just one side toward life, those are the people who are going insane every time the stock market goes blip up, blip up, blip up. Those are the people who are tearing their hair out, trying to figure out what to do. Those are the people who are doing that. As you can see, most everybody's doing that. Nicole said, life is a picture of people fighting to keep the external man alive. Think about that. He, that guy was so cool. He, he's like one of my heroes in the work. I mean, he's like a hero. He's like my hero in the work. You know, I, I think Gurdjieff was a wonderful man, but I just don't have enough from him. You know, enough straight talk from Gurdjieff. I get a lot of, you know, from Gurdjieff, making people do gymnastics and acrobatics and stuff like that, you know, mental gymnastics to get uh, the pee, you know, under the shell. But I'm not that smart, not that smart. But Maurice Nicole, he shoots right for the heart. He says, life is a picture of people fighting to keep the external man alive. Look at your own life. It is a picture of you fighting to keep the external man alive. It takes a good bit of awareness to understand the terror of this situation. And so if you don't have the awareness, then enjoy the bliss. Enjoy the bliss of ignorance. When all the meaning of oneself is outside of us, in the external man, it's not in the real man, which of course puts reality beyond our grasp. If your meaning is not in the real man, then reality is beyond your grasp because reality is what's real. When we begin to see what our outer is really like, what false ideas about ourselves we have, when we begin to see that, all of the false ideas that we have about ourselves begin to diminish, making it possible for the real but undeveloped side of us to begin to grow. And when I say grow, I mean grow in, it's not like it grows, and it may, but it's more like it becomes more active as the external becomes less active and more passive. It begins to be used, and then it grows. What does that mean? I don't know. But are you willing to find out? Then I recommend that you do it instead of figure it out. Too many people figure it out and never do it. I say, don't know. Cultivate not knowing, and then just do it and find out. That way you'll know instead of just think you know. As long as we believe in what we imagine ourselves to be, we're trapped in the fog of imagination, doomed to live a half-life of half-meanings. And that is how we kill ourselves. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. 
when we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.